her to Joseph. And Mary lives in a time when the basic task in a woman's life was to have babies. That was their job. And in many biblical stories, as we've read, women pray for their dream to come true of having a child. And God eventually answers some of those, uh, some of those uh, prayers, and in some cases even sends an angel as a messenger to deliver that message. But you see, Mary's case is very different. She's very young. She's not yet married, and she certainly is not ready to have a baby. It's simply not time for her to become pregnant. She's 13 years old. But the story is not about Mary's time or her plans. It's about God's timing and his plans and his choice. So I want you to picture Mary. She's in her kitchen, busy with preparations for her wedding. Big day for her, right? Maybe she's in the middle of sewing. Maybe she's cleaning or frying up some bacon. When suddenly, an angel appears. I slipped that one right in there. (laughs) Suddenly, this angel appears in her kitchen. Slide two, please. There we go. All right, from Luke 1, 28 through 33. Here's what it tells us. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. You think? But the angel said to her, Key point, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Do not be afraid. Are you kidding me? I got a ghost in my house. I'm 13 years old. I don't expect this. It's kind of asking a lot of this young woman who's completely taken by surprise when an angel suddenly is just standing in her kitchen. And I can imagine she was a bit startled and probably confused, do you think? Possibly trembling and shaking. But you see, the greater shock in this, is this whole message isn't the fact that the angel appears to her, shocking enough. The biggest fact comes in what he says to her. And what he tells her is this. You will give birth to a son. Keep in mind, she's 13 years old. Anna, my daughter, is 13 years old. So that's the first thing. Wouldn't that freak you out as a 13-year-old girl? Angel comes to your house and says, you're going you're gonna to have a child. Oh, my goodness. And then next, it says to him, she says, it's going to be a son. Okay, but it's not only a son. It's the son. It's the son of God. And I don't know about you, but, but I think Mary might have a few questions about this. She might have been thinking, is this really an angel that's standing in my house? Am I dreaming? If this is real, why did you choose me? How can this be? Me? Pregnant? I'm not even married. I'm too young. How can my child actually be the son of God? Isn't this situation unbelievable? It's almost unimaginable. And while the angel is speaking, there must be a moment when Mary starts to think, no way, not me. Do you know what you're asking of me? How come you've chosen me to begin with? Who am I? Please, find a woman who is not about to be married. Please, leave my kitchen and let me live the life that I'm preparing to live. Now keep in mind, Mary doesn't know how this story ends like we do. So when we hear that message of the angel, we go, well, it's all good down the road. But she doesn't know how it ends. So we can be more calm when we hear this news. 
You see, for her, this proposal endangers her life. It endangers her relationship with Joseph, the love and respect of her family, uh, her neighbors, her friends, and the whole community will have a different thought process on Mary. She knows there's a great chance that Joseph will abandon her once he finds her pregnant with a child that's not his. And the penalty for adultery in those days was... Wow, good response. And the penalty for adultery in those days was... Death. Death. So she knows there's a great chance that Joseph will abandon her. And so now... She's got to be thinking, how can I possibly accept what this angel is telling me? Ladies, girls, picture yourself 13 years old. Angel shows up in your house and says, hey, you're going to have a baby. How do you respond to that? Guys, we really can't put ourselves in that position. We can imagine it if we have daughters of that age. We can imagine when we were of that age and girlfriends maybe we've had. But 13 years old, how do you respond to that? And what I want to focus on today is Mary's response to that angel because it's a response of great peace. Mary doesn't fight. She doesn't hem and haw. She doesn't give excuses or panic. She simply says from the book of Luke, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said come true. Amidst all of the craziness that's happening around her, she's preparing for a wedding. She's 13 years old. An angel shows up in her house, tells her she's going to give birth to a son. She's never been with a man. And she responds with, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said come true. Wow. There are a few lessons for us to take from Mary about God's peace. The first is that peace does not depend on circumstances. It has nothing at all to do with what's going on in your life. It has everything to do with inviting God into your life. The Christian author J. Oswald Sanders wrote this. If I could have slide three, please. Again, Alex, do you know who J. Oswald Sanders is? (laughs) Good answer. What he says is this. Peace is not the absence of trouble, but the presence of God. That's pretty good. Peace is found in the presence of God despite the troubles we face. God's peace is offered offered to us each and every moment and under every circumstance. Mary knows this. She's about to enter an incredibly difficult season of her life. She will be pregnant and unmarried. That's pretty difficult. A fate that could actually get her killed. She will have to tell her fiancé, Joseph, and hopes that maybe he believes her, She will face great shame in all of this, yet she says yes to God. And she says yes because she knows that God will be with her. And for that reason, she can step forward in peace. So a question I have for you guys. Is there something going on in your life that keeps you from opening yourself to God's peace? It's always available. It's there. Have we opened our heart and our spirit to accept God's peace? I'm telling you not to wait. It's a wonderful gift that he's given us, and we need to accept that gift. There's a lot of people I don't know in this sermon, Alex. This next guy here, slide four if you could for me, please. I'm guessing this is from Moody Bible Institute, D.L. Moody. He's got a great quote here. Spread out your petition before God and then say, thy will be done. The sweetest lesson I have learned in God's school is to let the Lord choose for me. Bottom line is we don't steer the ship. We ask for what we need and what we want, and then we accept what the Lord has for us, knowing 
that he is at work in our lives. So peace does not depend on circumstances. Secondly, peace is active. It is not passive. Peace doesn't mean being a doormat. Peace isn't just saying yes to everything that comes your way. Mary responds to the, uh, very honestly to the angel, and Luke tells us at first she is confused and disturbed. And rightly so. I mean, something strange is going on here, and Mary wants to know what's up. Can you think of a time in your life where you were confused and disturbed? Kind of describes my everyday life. Being confused and disturbed is very common in a life of faith. I mean, you've got to think about this. Think of the life of Jesus. At his conception, we just learned his mother was disturbed and confused. At his birth, the shepherds were disturbed and confused. And throughout his life, the religious leaders, the young people, the men, the women, were all confused by his actions and by his words. Then he dies. A bit disturbing and a bit confusing? Sure it is. And then what happens after he dies? Wow, this should be something. It's just kind of like Christianity 101. All right? <laughs> what happens after Jesus dies? He comes back from the dead. You want to talk about being confused and disturbed? All this happened in Jesus' life. We were always confused and disturbed at that point. Often God unsettles us because we are not prepared for the supernatural to enter our world. We are unprepared for the radical change that Jesus brought to the world. Yet this is what God brings. As we allow him into our lives, we face situations that confuse and disturb us. Confuse and disturb the heck out of us in actuality. God's way is not the normal way. And it's not for us to figure out why he's doing it, but accept the fact that he is. To get ahead, you must sacrifice. To find freedom, you must become God's servant. It seems like crazy talk, but it's God's way. And as we seek his peace, we must follow him. So, having peace doesn't mean that we're passive and unthinking. It doesn't mean we don't have doubts or questions. It means we tell God honestly how we feel. We ask him our questions, and then importantly, we listen for an answer. And then we follow him. Peace is not passive. And that, that, that sentence right there, peace not being passive, is an important uh, distinction between Christianity and some of the other religions around the world. In some of the other religions, religions their quest for peace uh, in some philosophies teaches that we should empty ourselves of everything. Every want, every desire, every passion. Hmm. Right? Some of, the, some of those people teach that, but see, Christianity teaches something completely different. It's the opposite of that. It teaches that peace about God is being filled up. It's being engaged. It's being exhilarated. God's peace is an active peace. And that is why scripture calls us to be peacemakers. Peace takes work, attention, and action. It doesn't just happen by accident. And there are three thoughts that I hope that you leave here with this morning. Peace does not depend on circumstances, and that peace is active. Those are two. And the third one is, all peace is God's peace. So, peace does not de depend on circumstances. Peace is active. All peace is God's peace. And there's a great passage in the book of John where Jesus tells us about peace. It's in John 14, 27. And John says this to us. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. The world cannot give us peace. It'll promise us peace, but it can't deliver on that promise. Only God can give us peace. 
All peace is God peace, and all peace comes through Jesus Christ. So in this time of Advent, as we reflect on this incredible event and immerse ourselves in the reason for the season, tell God of your fears and troubles. Let him know your problems and concerns. Invite him into your life to lead you, to love you, and to grant you his peace. Merry Christmas to everybody, and may God's peace be with all of us. Um, the band's going to come back up right now. I'm going to pray, and then they're going to uh, uh, close our service with one final song. If we could all pray. Heavenly Father, as we gather here uh, on this Sunday morning, Lord, in this hectic, crazy season of Christmas that should be just a, uh, a blessed, peaceful time for us, Father, it is our prayer that you grant us that peace, that we have a calming that only you and the Holy Spirit can just, just fill us up with, Father, that we can look past the the craziness that the visits and the, and the wrapping and the lights and the whole commercialism of this holiday just penetrates into us, Father, that we can remove that and find that inner peace, Father, that only you can give. We love you, Lord, and we pray all of this in your name. Amen.